going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FriendlyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out, talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Get back. The Indians get back and laid a big fat egg over the weekend, Bob. I'm kind of disappointed, to tell you the truth, because I actually watched two of those three games. Yeah, uh, definitely some stinkers uh, to come out of the All-Star break. Not not what uh, either of us uh, expected, especially playing against uh, such a low team as the Oakland Athletics. I expected more from them for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you got the A's for three games coming out of the All-Star break. You got your two aces, Carrasco and Kluber on the mound. Uh, how you don't win at least two of those games is kind of inexcusable. Blew the second one badly um, with that, you know, 3-2 to two lead and then just kind of imploded in the last two winnings. So not, not a good way yeah. to, to, to open the second half here. No, definitely not. Now, uh, things are not uh, – overall bad for the Indians they're still in first place in the AL Central uh, but just a game and a half up against the Twins at the time of this recording and two games up uh, on the Royals at the time of this recording so uh, certainly not in a commanding lead uh, on that AL Central and with the Indians opening up the second half post All-Star break with a three-game sweep and losing that last game heading into the All-Star break so on a four-game losing streak uh, Chris the trade deadline is two weeks away. Uh, we've already seen a lot of rumors fly around. A, a big trade w- was pulled over the weekend with Jose Quintana moving from Chicago White Sox to Chicago Cubs. So uh, the rumor mill is starting. And the Indians, we saw them, they were players last year making some some big deals uh, at the trade deadline. Chris, with this three-game or four-game losing streak and the trade deadline two weeks away, uh, what are you expecting the Indians to do Uh, at the trade deadline well I would expect a little more guarded trade deadline I I don't think they're going to go out and and make the big splash kind of moves that they did now when they traded for Andrew Miller it it turned into a big splash move because they they traded one of their two best prospects and Clint Frazier for him so it turned a lot of heads it's like whoa you're giving up a really good prospect for a reliever and even I was a little shaky about it but we all know how that's turned out. So I, I don't think the Indians are going to – I think they'll be a little hesitant to push some of their top prospects in. But that said, they, they while they don't – they're one of the few contenders that, that don't need help in the bullpen. But I do think they need to add another arm into this rotation because – Look, when you get to the playoffs, you got Kluber and Carrasco. If they're healthy, nobody wants to face them. And that bullpen behind them is phenomenal. But it's after that. I I still think there's some question marks. I mean, Trevor Bauer in that third game was awful. Uh, Josh Tomlin, I don't think can be relied on like he was last year in the postseason based on how he's played so far. You got to remember, last year, Josh Tomlin was off to a fantastic start, pitching out of his mind and, and had a good a really good postseason uh, I, I would be less confident in this incarnation of Josh Tomlin uh, I do think that pitching so many innings last year was, I, I still think that that's wearing on him a little bit um, Mike Clevenger has been a nice surprise and he is a serviceable third guy if they could knock him down to their fourth guy I, I'd feel really good about that postseason rotation so I, I think right now with the history 
that Carrasco has injury-wise, I would be a little uneasy uh, with the guys behind Kluber and Carrasco right now. So my, my number one priority is I do think they need to solidify the rotation with a reliable option in the middle. They don't have to go out and overpay for a big-time ace. They just need a reliable option in the middle. I, I think that's where their focus is, and I think that's where it should be. Yeah, I mean, definitely cross off the bullpen. The bullpen is fine. I, I know Andrew Miller uh, contributed to uh, the the bad stint against the A's, but the, the bullpen is fine. They, they're one of the best in, in the business. Um, I agree with you, rotation. It, it's unfortunate that the trade deadline is two weeks away and the Indians have two key contributors on offense on the disabled list and Jason Kipnis and Lonnie Chisenhall. Now they're expected back uh, in a relatively short time. Uh, the injuries aren't serious, but you, you don't know what you don't know if Lonnie Chisenhall is going to continue his, his uh, career best year uh, upon returning from the injury. And Jason Kipnis has just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, so it's hard to evaluate the offense right now. But I am assuming that those two guys are going to come back and contribute uh, at least uh, at their base level. Uh, and that leaves the rotation. I, I agree with you. I mean, Trevor Bauer, Josh Tomlin, uh, both just highly un- unreliable at this point. Tomlin, due to his age and, and probably the, the mileage on his arm, as you alluded to, and Bauer, I mean, he has had tons of slack since coming into the league, uh, given chance and opportunity uh tons tons of chances to to succeed and establish himself not as a ace but just as a consistent reliable pitcher and we saw even when they needed him most in the postseason last year he 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 botched it all by slicing his finger open this season I mean forget about that focus on this season he's just been up and down didn't even last an inning uh, in, in his outing against the athletics uh, Danny Salzer's on the DL ha- has not been able to to stay on the mound same can be said for college Carrasco, though he's turning in uh, what is the best year of his career. Uh, they they need an arm. They they need somebody reliable to be that number three, as you said. Uh, I I like Mike Clevenger, but again, heading into the postseason with just two reliable starting pitchers, as the Indians did last year, uh, in Tomlin and, and Kluber. Uh, this year would be. Car- t- uh, Kluber and, and Carrasco. They, they just need another arm because uh, they fell apart. Uh, at the finish line last year, one game away from winning the World Series. Um, the focus has to be on, on adding a starting pitcher. I, I think the Indians are going to be in, in a buy mode again. I mean, we saw them make four trades uh, last year, three at the trade deadline, one at the, the waiver deadline later to get Coco Crisp. Uh, one of those trades got reneged uh, by Jonathan Lucroy, who, who, who rejected the, the trade to Cleveland, but the Indians are, are willing to sell off some prospects, and I I, I agree w- with that mindset. I, I think they should buy big again and get a legit number three starting pitcher for this rotation to head into the postseason. Yeah, no, I, I think that will be the number one priority because even though Kipnis and Chisholm are hurt, I, I do think the offense has enough firepower that if they didn't make a big move, uh, they'd be fine. Now, I do think they, they might make a small move, maybe like a minor kind of 
a guy like Gerard Dyson, maybe maybe bring back Rajay Davis. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it. We, they did it with Coco Chris last year. Maybe he's the veteran that returns. You know, Kenny Lofton in 2007, and, and uh, last year was Coco Chris. Maybe they bring back Rajay Davis or something like that. I, I could see something maybe on a smaller scale to give him a little more depth there because of the injuries. Um, and, and, and the big advantage is Jose Ramirez can play so many different positions that you can slide him away and, and really get other people in the lineup. So that that's another part of what makes Jose Ramirez so valu- valuable. So so I do think the big move will probably be in the rotation somewhere. Uh, and and there, there are some guys out there. I mean, Garrett Cole is rumored to be on the market. Uh, Jeremy Hellickson, another good pitcher. The, the Phillies are going nowhere this year. Sonny Gray, uh, the, the Indians saw firsthand how good he was because uh, you know, he had a fantastic game over this series. And, and Oakland, obviously, is not going anywhere. They just traded two of their best relievers of uh, the Washington. So uh, there, there are guys out there that can be had. The problem is pitching is always at a premium, and if they're going to go after a guy who who moves the needle, uh, they probably will have to give up a, a couple, a significant prospect or two. Uh, Bob, I mean, who are you willing to kind of part ways with? I mean, is do you want to see them make a trade like they did last year and give up a, a top-tier prospect, or, or would that make you a little uncomfortable? I'm comfortable with anything as long as the return is legit. I mean, they, they got... They gave up Clint Frazier, uh, and you know they bought in. They sold in on uh, Bradley Zimmer. Gave up Clint Frazier to get Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller is and still is and will be next year under contract control by the Indians, and is still one of the best relievers in all of baseball, and is so versatile. I mean, he almost single handedly won the World Series for the Indians in the back end on that bullpen. Um, he was worth it. So if they find a guy that's worth it. Uh, I'm looking at Sonny Gray, who who is an all-star, who is under team control until 2020. I'm willing to give up anybody in this farm system uh, to, to get a guy like that. That includes Francisco Meja, who is uh, the, the hot shot uh, catcher in, in the Indians farm system. Uh, currently, uh, on some rankings, is the Indians' number one prospect. I think anybody's available as long as the return is worth it. Yeah, I'm looking at the Indians' top 30 prospects here. The top eight prospects are guys that everyone would cover, covet. Excuse me. And that number nine guy, Yu Chen Chang. I know, I know the name's a little funny, but I saw him play down in Akron. That guy can hit, and he does play at shortstop currently. So he's more of an he's an infielder. Uh, certainly. All of these guys, I'm just going to read some names. You mentioned uh, Francisco Mejia, but uh, Tristan McKenzie, Bobby Bradley has been talked about as this next big-time first baseman. Brady Aiken, uh, Nolan Jones, Will Benson, uh, Greg Allen, and Yandy Diaz, who uh, spent some time up in Cleveland. I know fans might might get a little irked if Yandy's in the trade, but, but to get a guy like Sonny Gray, who's under team control through 2020, you're going to have to give up two of those guys that I just mentioned. Now, I, personally, I hope that Francisco Mejia stays with this team because this guy, again, I've seen him play at Akron. All I keep hearing is that this guy is going to come up to the big leagues and, and have an impact. Now, now again, he's a prospect. We've seen we've seen countless stories here in Cleveland of, of guys who looked good in the minors and, and just didn't translate but based on this front office's track record with the guys that have come up, um, you know, it looks like this guy, Francisco Meja, uh, would 
be an impact player at a position kind of of need, a catcher, not defensively, more offensively. Uh, so I would, I would really want the return to move the needle if this guy is involved in the deal. Yeah, I mean, I would be sad to see Francisco Mejia go for sure. His ETA is possibly next season. Uh, and the Indians, uh, if I were to pick one glaring hole in their lineup, it's certainly catcher. Um, you know, Young Gomes uh, contributes a lot defensively, but offensively uh, it, it is certainly a, a liability. Um, so, yeah, it, that would be a, a shame, or that, that, not a shame, because again, they would be getting a guy like Sonny Gray back, which would make me really happy, but that would be hard to swallow uh, in, in the long term. But that being said, the Indians are in first place right now. They have tons of talent everywhere, farm system included. I mean, you, you named eight or nine guys that uh, most of those guys are projected to, to make the big leagues within the next couple of years. I mean, there, there's not room for everybody. Prospects exist in part when you're a contender to facilitate these deals and get that one or two pieces uh, that you need to make the postseason. So as much as I would be hesitant and sad to see Francisco Mejia go, because I, I, I agree with you, I think he is legit in the real deal. Uh, I, I think you, you have to be willing to, to part with your, your top pieces uh, to, to make a run in the postseason, which uh, was evidence that they were willing to do that last season. And I think they have to be willing to do that this season as well. Let's also not rule out the fact that Giovanni Urshela and Tyler Naquin could be on a showcase tour with the Indians. Those were the guys called up to replace uh, Kipnis and Chisenhall. Look, I, I'm not a fan of trading a guy who was third in Rookie of the Year voting last year, and, and I like Giovanni Urshela, but the fact of the matter is Urshela's been passed up for promotion a lot of times. I mean, Lindor leaped him. Uh, you know, Jose Ramirez leaped him. A lot of guys have left him in the pecking order, and he is a pro-ready glove right now. If you are willing to put one of those two guys in the trade, it might mitigate the need to put multiple prospects down below in the trade. And, and I mean, you're getting a seasoned pro ready young guy with a lot of team control that may offset some of the cost. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they went that big because they do have some depth in the farm system. Look, I didn't even mention Sean Morimondo, who is probably their best lefty down there or Ryan Merritt, who had a fantastic start in the ALCS for them. So they've got depth. Uh, but, but the, the one guy I really like is Majika because they um they they have a need offensively at catcher. Gomes and, and Perez are so good defensively. I think that's the one thing holding Francisco up is that uh he just needs to, you know, keep developing as a defensive catcher. Not that he's bad, but he just needs to keep developing. And and Bob, I think I've said his name three different names uh during this podcast, so I do apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> but um but the point is I, I this is the position you put yourself in when you when you draft wisely and develop wisely, they do have a treasure trove of prospects. Um, I think they could get a deal done if they're willing to package Bobby Bradley with someone because, again, he's a highly coveted prospect as well. Um, so uh, the Indians have a lot of options, and, and that's the advantage of having some good depth. But if they were to get Sonny Gray, man, your rotation just got to – that could be the deadliest rotation in the American League. Yeah, for sure. So is Sonny Gray the top on your wish list? Is that the guy that you know seems to be available that you want above anybody else? I mean, if they could get Sonny Gray without giving up Majika, I would be ecstatic. If they could, if they could pull that off, I, I would be ecstatic. 
Or, or Bradley yeah, Zimmer. Well, I, I, I'm assuming Zimmer is untradeable right now based on what he's shown in the majors. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't think so either. Um, but who knows? Um, the good uh, the good prospect for, for getting Sonny Gray is that he is under control by the athletics who have made some – who are very willing to deal and have often made uh, trades for very little in the past. I'm thinking of that Josh Donaldson deal um, – so maybe it's possible that they're able to swing a deal and keep most of their top prospects and get Sonny Gray, which would be amazing. No, it, it would be fantastic. I, I, I do think that they would have to trade one of those eight if they're not willing to part ways with Yoshella or Nate Quinn. And, and if they were to trade Zimmer, they better get like Clayton Kershaw back because I'm telling you, man, Zimmer looks to be the real deal. I mean, this guy is fast. This guy is huge. I feel like he he is going to develop into his power. I don't want to compare him to Aaron Judge, but but he's got the same kind of frame, the same kind of speed, and and Aaron Judge didn't take him long to develop into his power. Now, I'm not saying he's going to hit 30 home runs next year. That's unrealistic, but I'm just saying I think he has that kind of upside. I would not trade him unless I'm getting someone amazing back. Yeah, I'm assuming he's off the table just because he has arrived and is – cemented himself as as a everyday player at, at this point for the Indians so I'm, I'm assuming he's he's off the table um so Chris I mean long story short do you think the Indians are going to do some buy-in uh by August 1st I definitely think they will at least make at least one trade I, I do think they will make a depth related trade get a guy like Brandon Geyer like they got him last year to shore up the outfield I see that move definitely happening I, I just with the injuries and they may make a similar kind of guyer trade with the rotation, uh, but but Bob, based on what they did last year, based on how they bought big in the off season, I do think that that ultimately by July thirty first, the Indians are going to make another uh, needle moving trade that will um, change the complexion of this team a little bit, and and I think they are going to go after someone who has a, a significant pull uh, name wise. And, and and it's just a matter of what they're going to pay for it. But but I do think they're going to make one big move and, and a couple depth moves uh, similar to what they did last year. Yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, you know, the Indians very well could get outpriced for for a lot of these big names, um, and, and there's not much you can do about that. If that does happen, I still see the Indians making some kind of move to to add to the rotation, get some veteran that will be more consistent than what they have right now. But I think the Indians are going to be involved in a lot of conversations trying to get a big name uh, coming over to, to help push them into the postseason. I agree with you. But uh, so, yeah, we, we will certainly uh, be keeping up with the Cleveland Indians hot stove rumors as August 1st approaches. Uh, we'll have more to talk about that next week. Maybe they'll I have already made a, an early trade deadline move at that point. Um, but we will uh, right now uh, recap the, the All-Star weekend. The Indians obviously had five uh, All-Stars, four of which uh, made an appearance uh, for the American League. Corey Kluber uh, did, did not participate in the All-Star game, though he was an All-Star. Um, Chris, when we previewed the, the All-Star weekend, we, we made a home run derby prediction. I picked uh, Miguel Sano uh, t- to win it. You picked Aaron Judge. It just so happened we got Judge versus Sano in the finals, and, and Aaron Judge came out on top. So a tip of the hat to you and a tip of the hat to myself. Yeah, man, tip of the hat to both of us. We called the final. Uh, obviously, both of us couldn't want, win because we picked different guys. But, man, I'm telling you, man, I don't like that he's a Yankee, but I love watching Aaron Judge play. This guy is just 
such a freak athlete. Uh, it, it pains me that he's on New York because all the hype and stuff around the Yankees and everything. I don't like it, but but he is an amazing talent. And uh, it, it certainly looks like he is going to um, ascend to the level of uh, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper in a very, very quick uh, time period. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Uh, Home Run Derby for me is one of my favorite sporting events. I, I consume it every year. I watch it. Uh, I, I A lot of performances uh, resonate with me. I remember when Prince Fielder won. Josh Hamilton obviously was awesome. John Color Stanton. Uh, his performance w- was fantastic. Uh, I remember, well, Chris, I was there when Jim Tomey did not hit a single home run in Cleveland. That was probably my first home run de- derby memory. Um, but I have never seen a participant so effortlessly hit home runs like Aaron Judge. And if you look at his spray chart uh, from that night, he was from the left uh, field foul pole all the way to the right field foul pole. He covered all the ground and a majority of those home runs to right field seemed like they were uh, balls that anybody other, anyone else, those would have just been pop flies to to the middle of the right field. And his, he's just so powerful and so strong that those balls, he was a little late on them. They went to right field and they just went out of the park. He 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 was that incredible. Um, it, it was really impressive to to watch him perform at, at, at the home run derby. Yeah, I don't see how he doesn't win MVP this year. I, I just his numbers are off the chart. His home run derby was off the chart. Not that the home run derby factors in MVP voting, but it gives you a taste of what he can do. And you're right, Bob. It was just an unbelievable performance by him. He is certainly uh, he's making a run at the top there, man. I mean, he's he's a fun guy to watch. I know the Yankees are coming to um, the Jake a couple weeks here. I, I am trying to go to one of the games, and and hopefully they don't sit him. Uh, for the game I go to, because uh, I, I would love to see him play live. It's just, I don't like that he's on the Yankees, but but he is a, a phenomenal talent. Yeah, for sure. One of the spectacles that you have to see, uh, one of three baseball players to enter the home run derby, leading the league in home runs, and then winning the home run derby. So uh, one of many accolades I'm sure he's going to win in his career. Were, were you surprised that Stanton lost in the first round? I was a little surprised. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because Giancarlo Stanton was Aaron Judge until Aaron Judge came along. I mean, the dude was a beast and, and would demolish the ball. Um, possibly being in Miami, playing in front of the home crowd, he was pressing, trying too hard. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. You alluded to the Jim Tomei game, and, and that kind of had the same feel to it. You know, Jim Tomei, hometown crowd, maybe pressed a little bit. And, and so – I. We ha- I don't have the numbers with me, but I wonder how well the hometown kid, quote-unquote, fares in the hometown home run derby because they always get someone from the hometown in the derby. I, I just wonder how they do overall because it certainly seems like that plays into it a little bit. Yeah, it does. I, <laughs> I want to say Justin Morneau won it in Minnesota, but I'm not sure about that. I know, I know he beat Josh Hamilton that year you alluded to, talked about. Everyone remembers Josh Hamilton hitting like 35 home runs, but Morneau actually beat him in the final. I, I can't remember if that was in Minnesota or not, though. Yeah, maybe I'm getting him confused. But, um, hmm. Well, John Collar Stanton did, uh, to his credit, in that first round, hit about 15 home runs, which is 15 more than Jim Tomei and infin- infinitely times <laughs> as many more than Jim Tomei. So 
uh, not as bad, no. but uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Home Run Derby, I, I certainly love that event. Um, but moving on to some Cleveland Cavaliers news, uh, Chris, the in the excuse me, the Cavaliers announced that they have signed Turkish uh, prospect Siede uh, Osman uh, to a deal. He will be on the Cleveland Cavaliers roster this year. Um, he is one of the few draft picks that that the Cavaliers made in the LeBron James era and they stashed him overseas uh he is finally ready to come over and play in the NBA uh he's gonna be on the roster Chris what what are you making of that well everyone wants the Cavs to get younger on the bench and this certainly will help with that he's only 22 years old he'll turn 23 in April of next year 6'8 so can kind of swing and help you know, guard multiple positions, ideally, well, with his size at least, at least his physicals he can. Uh, look, I, I, I'm i not going to lie to you. I don't know a ton about this guy. I don't watch a lot of EuroLeague basketball, but certainly one of the goals for the Cavs was to get younger off the bench, and this is definitely a younger player off the bench. The flip side is you got to develop him a little bit more and probably live with some growing pains, but uh, you know, if he grows into a role, he he could become one of the uh, a key reserve for the Cleveland Cavaliers because uh, the Warriors exposed the need for guys of his size uh, being very necessary on the Cleveland Cavaliers in, in guarding multiple positions because of what the Warriors can throw at you uh, from a wing perspective. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind it, uh, but but obviously you want to keep expectations low because there's a reason he had to stay in Europe for a few years to develop a little bit more. He's only 22 years old, was the 31st overall pick, so the first pick in the second round, but um, I, I keep my expectations low, but if he can develop into a key reserve who can help him just get younger off that bench, I think that would be a win for the Cavs. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just thinking in in terms of the win now mode for the Cavs, getting him here stateside playing in some meaningful games in the NBA might increase his trade value and they might actually have a movable piece uh, where they can uh, make a trade at the trade deadline just thinking uh, about the Cavs and how they're presently constructed. They're always buying um, and this is one of the few guys that might be attractive. And if he comes over and does well, he, he might be even more attractive to some teams. So uh, just thinking in that mindset, uh, it makes total sense. He, he developed a couple more years in, in Europe, is ready to see if he can uh, perform uh, on the national stage. Um, and I'm excited for it. I mean, what, what what is there to lose? It was either that or uh, get Jamal Crawford, you know, 37 year old Jamal Crawford. Now you have a 21 year old who might be able to do the same things as Jamal Crawford. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you might take a while before he gets to Jamal Crawford level, but, but I hear what you're saying, at least, uh, from a point of just adding an, another key reserve off the bench. Again, that's the good part of for CD Osman. He's only going to be asked to be a key reserve. It's not like he's coming over here with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, very true. Now, the Cavs uh, made that move, signing City Osman still without a general manager. Chris, NBA Summer League is wrapping up. The draft is almost a month ago. Free agency uh, has been going on for over two weeks now, uh, and the Cavs still don't have a general manager. Chris, even the Knicks have a GM at this point. Uh, what What's going on with the Cavs and their GM search? Well, there's a guy who's uh, led a team to three straight finals still on the free agent market. I mean, I don't know why they're not getting <laughs> the tires on him. No, sarcasm aside, uh I have no idea. It, it, it is perplexing why the Cavs don't have a, a quote. I know people are running the front office, but they don't have an official general manager yet. They have not made a hire to replace David Griffin. 
And uh, it's very worrisome that they are this deep into the offseason and the most important position in the front office is not resolved. That's that's just not good. Oh, I, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but it needs to get done, man. They need they need to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the assistant GM from the David Griffin era is is still there, acting as a de facto GM. Why don't just name him the GM for the season and, and have a have a singular voice that that can give some direction? I mean. You're, you've missed out on all the top guys, uh, for, for general manager candidates. You, you let go of your fantastic general manager. I mean, just punt this season, name the assistant GM, the de facto GM, and, and have some cohesiveness heading into the season. I, I don't understand if they don't, if they're having such a hard time getting somebody in. You know, just just name the, the assistant GM, the general manager. Yeah, I mean, this guy pretty much has run the entire significant portion of the off season. I mean. At this time of year, free agency is winding down. It's it's time to start scouting and, and getting ready for the season. I mean, there's not much else out there unless, of course, the Cavs are involved with some of these ridiculous rumor mill trades. Uh, so if, if the Cavs are still looking to get, I don't know, maybe Carmelo Anthony or something like that, then they might want someone who, who can spearhead that. Yeah. So bringing up Carmelo Anthony, uh, rumors are that he still wants out of New York. Uh, he may he wants to go to one of two places, either Cleveland, play with his, his buddy LeBron, or go to Houston and play with his other buddy, Chris Paul, and obviously James Harden is there as well. Um, Chris, should the Cavs get involved in, in any Carmelo Anthony trade talk? Only if they can fleece the Knicks for him. That, that would be the only trade talk I'd be in favor of. I mean, look, it comes back to the whole... They'd have to put Kevin Love on the table or Kyrie Irving to get him at this point. Uh, I know we talked about C.D. Osman eventually being a trade chip, but eventually he's not now. And and I don't think the Knicks are going to be too thrilled about trading Carmelo Anthony for C.D. Osman and a bunch of spare parts. So um, I, I just don't think the Cavs can get involved with these trades. Um, maybe the long shot buyout signed to Cleveland for the minimum scenario works out for the Cavs, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Uh, the Knicks have really all the leverage in the world with him. Why would you buy him out, really? I mean, I would just wait till the trade deadline <laughs> at that point. Someone eventually will come knocking. Um, but but if Houston pulled off that move and got Carmelo Anthony, then that could be a team to, to reckon with out west. Because, I mean, it would be interesting to see how Harden and, and Anthony mesh because there, there's only one ball, and, and, and obviously Chris Paul can distribute, but uh, uh, they would certainly have the talent to compete. I mean, the, the Houston had talent to compete last season. I mean, they, they were really good. Um, Chris, I'll I be honest, if if the Rockets swing the trade for Anthony, meaning that, that they were somehow able to absorb that massive contract, meaning they're going to have to give up some meaningful parts and, and contracts, that Rockets team, to me, just kind of imagining what that would look like with Paul, Anthony, and Harden, that reminds me of like the LA Lakers with Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, and Kobe Bryant. I think it would be a disaster. Um, and likewise for Cleveland, I mean, to, to move the parts to get Carmelo Anthony, I think you would be giving up more than you would gain. The only way I would like Anthony to the Cavs is, like you said, via the buyout. And I think that's the only real avenue the Cavs are, are exploring as well as is picking him up if he gets bought out because I, I just don't see how you could give up so little 
to gain Anthony and improve than you would be by just standing pat. Yeah, and funny you should bring up those Laker teams because uh, Mike D'Antoni was the same coach of that uh, team. Now, he didn't start off. Uh, Mike Brown got fired five games into the year, and then Mike D'Antoni took over. But I, I slightly disagree. I, it would be interesting to see Houston with Harden and Anthony with Mike D'Antoni as a coach because Mike D'Antoni, in Mike D'Antoni's offense, there are a few more shots to go around than maybe in your typical offense. Uh I don't know. I don't know about defense, but uh, it could be a fun team to watch. I, I don't know if they would be on the Warriors level. I, I don't think they would, but they certainly would have a have a very legitimate claim to maybe being the second best team in the West. Well, wasn't D'Antoni Anthony's coach with Stoudemire in in New York, or is that before him? No, he was for a bit. Yeah, that, that, yeah, he was the one who got fired, and then Mike Woodson took over. Yeah, so I don't. I mean, we, we kind of know a little bit. I, I I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it. Well, I don't see it. I I also don't see Chris Paul and James Harden the sharing the assists and, and the point guard role. I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like a, a legitimate contender on paper. It looks really good, but I I would. I would be skeptical as as to how it performs on the court. Well, there would be some questions to answer, no doubt. Um, and, and it's a little unfair. I mean, the Knicks teams with Stoudemire and Anthony, it's the Knicks. <laughs> I mean, come on. But <laughs> but but no, I, I do think that 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 Paul Harden and Anthony could work. It would just, I don't know if they would be willing to make it work. That that's the big question, and, yeah. and it mainly falls on Harden and Anthony to make it work because both of those guys need the ball like they 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 love the ball and, and one and they, they can't both have it on a regular basis so there would have to be sacrifice on that part because that team would run at its best with Chris Paul running the offense and kind of distributing that and I think that's where it could succeed because Chris Paul is such a floor general kind of leader uh, I, I do think that he could maybe get things to fall into place it's just a matter of, of how much Harden and Anthony would be willing to sacrifice. So you're definitely right. There, there are a lot of questions that would have to be answered and certainly some growing pains. But but I do think that, that it could work if they make the adjustments and, and buy into to Mike D'Antoni's system, which is perfect for those two kind of scorers. True. Buying in, that's, a, <laughs> that's the story for a lot of teams, especially in the NBA. Oh, I hear you um, there. Yeah. Well, I always love talking hypothetical NBA maneuvers with you. Um, I'm going to pause the, the, the flow of this podcast to go back to the Home Run Derby. And by my rough count, there have been only two guys to win it at their home field. Uh, 1990, Ryan Sandberg for the Chicago Cubs did it at Wrigley Field. And in 2015, Todd Frazier won it at Great American Ballpark for the Cincinnati Reds. Very short list. Good research there, yep. Bob. Good research. Yeah, yeah, I was able to to listen to you and research, look at look that up at the same time. So you it's impressive. multitasking, man. <laughs> You're like that stretch four who can rebound and shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, moving on to uh, some Cleveland Browns news. Not a whole lot to to report, but a feel good story. Coach Hugh Jackson launching a foundation to stop human trafficking. Uh, Chris, uh, always good to see uh, sports figures uh, trying to do some good in the world. Oh yeah, this is this is a good announcement. I mean, Hugh Jackson um, seems like a good guy. Uh, very, very at least embraced by the Cleveland media. 
Um, and this announcement is, is definitely it's definitely an issue that's uh, you know bigger than people realize. I, I, I think pe- a lot of people only think that this kind of stuff happens in, in sort of third world places. No way. I mean, it happens everywhere and it happens more more in closer than you think, closer to home than you think. And so for Hugh Jackson to, to, to get behind and, and, and really try to attack this problem uh, with a very uh, noble charitable cause, uh, it'll be formally announced July 20th in Berea, according to this plane dealer report. Uh, but but obviously good to see um, a stand-up guy give back to his community and, to, and try to do a little bit of good in the world. Yeah, for sure. Well, talking about uh, First Energy Field, the home of the Cleveland Browns, uh, Chris, we had a little bit of United States men's national team action playing in the Gold Cup at First Energy Field, beating Nicaragua 3-0. to zero. They needed all three of those goals to win their group uh, round, and uh, with that third goal, they, they topped Panama to to get first place uh, in, in the group stage for their group. Um, did you have any chance to watch that game or even keeping track of the, the Gold Cup at all? Not as close as I'd like. I was covering an independent league game on Saturday night, so I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, pretty cool that, that you get some international soccer uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Bob, I, I'm kind of kicking myself. I usually follow the U.S. men's team a little closer. Uh, I, I may have considered going to that game had had I, uh, you know, it been on my radar a little bit earlier. But, uh, you know, it, it, it was cool that, uh, you know, you get some soccer in Cleveland, some some big-time soccer in Cleveland. Gold T- Cup's a really big deal in this uh, this region. And uh, we'll, we'll see if Team USA can uh, – hopefully bring home the championship now that now that they're on to the knockout phase yeah for sure i mean the the uh, usual suspects are in the the knockout stage usa mexico panama canada um so this is where the, the real fun begins uh in the group stage the americans were essentially rolling out their b team um you're able to to make some roster adjustments after the group stage and they brought back uh, tim howard clint dempsey michael bradley uh, I think Altadora as well. Uh, Christian Pulisic isn't playing in the Gold Cup. So uh, really a bare bones team playing in that group stage. Uh, and now they're bringing back some of their their uh, their, their firepower for, the, for this knockout round. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they perform now. All right, timeout. I stand corrected. I'm glad I didn't research this because if none of those guys played, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't, didn't go to the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, and Chris, uh, take us out with some uh, Wimbledon recap and, and some champions there. Well, first off, Roger Federer, if you didn't know it already, is the greatest play- tennis player of all time. 19th major, 8th Wimbledon. He's over 30, you're 30 going to turn 36 soon. Uh, the guy is amazing. I mean, the the guy made his opponent cry in the second set, essentially. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a little mean. It's a lot mean, but 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 it happened. I mean, the guy called over the trainer and uh, Martin Chilik calls the trainer, and it didn't look like they were working on anything. He was just crying into his towel, and and I don't know what happened at all. And I'm trying not to make too much light of the situation, but it's like Matt, Matt I've never seen this before, Bob. I mean, it, it's 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 it was pretty crazy. Um, but 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 hats off to Roger Federer. Uh, just. Easily the best I've ever seen play the game of tennis, and, and you know Nadal and Djokovic are, are no joke. Pardon the pun, um, but but the surprising one wasn't that Margarusa beat Venus Williams on the women's side. It was the fact that for the first ten games it was five to five, even match, 
And then Muguruza just wins the next eight and wins the championship. Like, Venus loses eight straight after the first ten games were close, competitive, and then just, I don't know what happened. Now, I have no, I'm watching this, I'm like, uh, it's like I watched two different matches, and, and Muguruza, only 23 years old, uh, has all the tools of, of being a, a very dominant player. She already has two Grand Slams, three finals appearances, and the only player to beat both Williams sisters in a Grand Slam final. She beat Serena in the French last year, so a very big win for her. I love Wimbledon. I can't wait for the U.S. Open. Tennis is one of my favorite sports, and uh, uh, it was another fun tournament. Even though, Even though there were a lot of upsets, it was still a very fun tournament. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to watch uh, the, the the women's game, but I did watch Federer play, and that was probably the the most least the least exciting, least dramatic uh, final round of a tennis tournament I've watched in a long time. I mean, usually they're fantastic matches, and Federer didn't really have to do much. I mean, the the other guy, uh, his name slips my mind, but he just didn't he he basically did all the work for Federer and, and lost the game pretty pretty easily um but it, it was really cool to see Roger Federer again at this age win uh, his second grand slam of the year which is uh, truly incredible you know they were uh in in the post ceremony you know walking through the clubhouse there's like that board that lists all the champions and from like the mid 2000s all it is is just our Federer over and over again and uh, yeah, truly uh, one of the more impressive sports figures of our time. No, and Bob, that happens a lot. I mean, Roger Federer just looked unfazed by Martin Chilik, and just it's like Chilik was throwing everything at him, and he's just like bouncing in a way. It was like a Dragon Ball Z fight, you know? Like they just they just fire all these there's bunch of explosions, and the guys just when the dust clear, he hasn't even moved. That's Roger Federer in that match, essentially. Well. Who would have thought we would end on a Dragon Ball Z reference, but there you go. (laughs) Just when you thought you heard it all on Clay Talk, we pull another one out of the pocket. Yeah. All right, well, Chris, what's your fake headline for the week? My fake headline is Cleveland Indians managed to trade Giovanni Urshela and Tyler Naquin for Clayton Kershaw and Paul Goldschmidt. I think think they have a shot at making that happen. and so I, 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 I'm looking forward to that fake headline coming true. Yes, as do I. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that, man. That you were that's uh that's well into the realm of fantasy right there. <laughs> uh, Emphasis on the fake sure. headline there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine's a little bit more down to earth. I, I want to talk about a, an Indians deal that has been made uh, by the, the next time we record. So a week early. You know, we already saw Jose Quintana get moved. I think that was a big move uh, already. And a, a guy that the Indians could have used, I don't think the White Sox would trade within the division, but they did trade within the city. So maybe they they would have been willing to listen to the Indians. Um, so guys are, are getting moved. I hope the Indians pull the trigger early and we have something to talk about next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see J.D. Martinez on the Cleveland Indians. I just don't think the Tigers are going to pull that deal off. I, I, it's tough to trade inside the division in baseball. Yeah, but I mean, to to also trade just across town though, that's pretty unheard of as well though. Yeah, at least they they're in another league though. Like they they don't have yeah. to worry about that biting them for a while. Very true. Even though Victor Martinez wound up on the Tigers, the the Indians did trade him to Boston. So it's like these teams don't like to trade in the division hardly ever. Right. 
All right, man. I, I agree with you there. I hope we come back next week and we have a big move to talk about with the Cleveland Indians. But if not, it's two weeks till the trade deadline, so so obviously a lot to watch for, and we will have it all here on Clee Talk. You can check us out at FinleyRoadSports.com. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. Either click the icon on our website or search Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Search Fenley Road Sports and come back every week for another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com where we break down all the latest in Cleveland sports action. But until next week, go Tribe, man. You got to turn it around, Tribe. Let's go. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.